Welcome to this week's episode of The Perceptive Readers, a podcast series made in the Product of Culture, aka Parkbooks website's office. Hi, I'm James. This is a Parkbooks update moment combined with Perceptive Readers podcast. The park date, the park books update moment is normally less than five minutes. And that's correct. And then we have the perceptive readers that goes from anywhere to uh, 15, 20 minutes all the way up to 50 minutes. And it just seemed fitting for the end of this season four of the perceptive readers to make it with the combination of the Park Books Update moment. As you know, over the past three podcasts, we were featuring the beautiful sound of healing and parts one, two, and three. For part four, which I told you would be the conclusion, I wanted to do a little bit extra. And that little bit extra requires me to take more than the five minutes to share this with you. And yet, uh, with the Perceptive Readers podcast, as you know, I normally break different things down in parts, which we will do today. So why uh, are we finishing the beautiful sound of healing uh, part four in this podcast uh, of the uh, uh, series Season conclusion of, of, um, season four, because we have already gone. Let me use an expression. We have gone from A to Z on explaining different things <laughs> in the, uh, uh, past year. And so now we will start over like that in, um, season five. Yet, uh, with this very special Park Books update moment, uh, that we've been talking about, the beautiful sound of healing. It involves, yes, uh, a story which uh, probably over 90% of you uh, really already <laughs> grasped that, that that's where I was going. However, however, this story in itself can actually be uh, elaborated on even up to 30 minutes and longer. Okay. Uh, it has several different types of components or characters to it. And the way that it would normally be told, it's, as I said before, it could really just branch off and go here or there. So much so, I'll share a secret with you. This story, again, only one person, uh, where I might have told it to, or maybe, I always say less than five, I, I know that, um, over the years. And really, I haven't told this story. It's been, it's been, uh, it's been a long time. But it was on purpose that I haven't related this story out loud, because again, I was sharing it for a very special audio book of mine. And so with me sharing this, it's almost like, oh, James, are you giving away that top secret? Well, this is all I'm going to say. 
there's plenty of more of where that came from. Okay. Um, some of you, um, are aware that whenever I create or I think up a, a different series of audiobooks or whatever in my mind, I do think about them in terms of anywhere from 15 to 18 books. Uh, for some time, <laughs> I used to be able to hold all of them in my mind. And, and I was thinking about this the other day. I'm saying, oh my goodness. Well, I guess I just forgot about what book nine was about. <laughs> and, and it was about one book in, in, in particular that I'm like, boy, as the months go on, uh, that those 18 books that were originally just right in my brain, boy, they're dropping <laughs> bit by bit, month by month. But it doesn't mean that if I don't go on a cruise or something, uh, that, you know, all of that would just come flowing back. But the whole, but the whole point is this story that I will relate today is actually entwined or, or was designed to be placed into one of my other books, uh, my very, very special books. Well, you know, all my uh, uh, books uh, mean something to me, of course. But this one would probably probably be considered the most specialist one of all uh, that uh, I've I've actually tried to work on uh, for uh, quite some time. Um, there's no crying right now or anything from me. Uh, uh, it, it is what it is. But I just wanted to relate again. This is the type of writing. Uh, these are the types of thoughts. These are the type of ways that some persons learn and benefit from, uh, based on, yes, it can be based on facts and truth and things of that nature. But I really, really want to emphasize again why this story has to be broken down in components or it's special to break this story down into components before sharing it with you um on the uh, perceptive readers because just uh, just think about this the narrator or the person normally telling the story is not going to explain all the time the different background and, and this, a reason for this or that. And that's part of, again, the entertainment, the enthrallment, where you just have to figure these things out. But since I want to use this time to really show maybe how I actually put some stories together as well, I'm breaking down the components first. Then when I tell the story, I won't go branching off into why this is this way or that way. You pay attention to these components, then, or these characters or what have you, and then you already realize, ah, okay, now I see why this person did this or this thing did that or, or, or what have you. Okay, so does that all make sense? Well, in the next section, I want to talk about something that was referenced in part one that I think you're going to find, again, very interesting going into the story as well, as far as roundabout section, um, section three or four, 
of the, of this podcast. I believe it's going to be about four or five uh, sections in all. Uh, so thank you for being here and with this Pop Books Update moment. I'm James Lynch and enjoy the rest of the segments. We're moving on after this little break. Have you ever heard of a book or stories called Aesop's or Aesop's Fables? These fables always use uh, not only humans, but plenty of animals. And it is reported on, uh, depending on where you get your uh, sources from, about the storyteller Aesop that he was um, in ancient Greece during the 6th century. And he was uh, supposedly a slave. So he had the opportunity to, of course, uh, see a lot of these animals and the, the way that they walk, the way that they <laughs> communicate or things of that nature. Don't really know how much he considered that, but he certainly uh, most likely seen a lot of the animals that, you know, from the birds, uh, from foxes and things of that nature. But going along with that, uh, one uh, commenter, commenter or commentator said that his stories are full of humor, insight and wit. And it says that he champions value of hard work and perseverance, compassion for others and honesty. And he does all this with uh, his using of humans and animals. Now, in part one of the sound or the beauty of sound of healing, that's, that's something else. I keep wanting to change the title, so to speak. But let me say it exactly what it is. The beautiful sound of healing in part one. I read you the story about the lion and the mouse, and I ended up um, sharing with you as well that this story or the beautiful sound of healing, they would all culminate into what we're listening to uh, right now. And, and the last story that I'm going to tell you, no, it's not going to be a, uh, Aesop fable, but I wanted to mention something about animals in general and something as well that I've done for quite a few years now. It was a, a reason behind it. Uh, see, some of us already know from our pets that we've had from dogs, uh, birds, parrots, uh, things of that nature, uh, a lot of people will still say um, that animals are, are only instinctive or instinctual creatures. How they know when to fly south uh, <laughs> uh, uh, for the winter, where to go, where to travel miles upon hundreds of thousands of, of miles to different locations that... For some of them, they never even been there before, but they, they know where to go. And so, uh, things of that nature are instinctual. It, it's in their DNA, uh, uh, so to speak. They know it's, it's coded into them. Okay. Now, 
when it comes to thinking and feeling at times, this is where you will find some persons uh, disagree and feel that animals uh, are still just purely instinctual uh, creatures. They they don't know their left from their right or what have you in, in some cases. So I'm not going to bring up uh, too much of my thoughts on that matter. But it is something that I would like to share about animals and the way that they communicate and, and things like that is that people... And some of them, in a, in a very adamant way, love animals so much, they even like to mimic them, uh, look to them in the way that they can draw strength, wisdom. Uh, I mean, not just regular wisdom, but even farsighted wisdom and power, things of that nature. They have a great respect for the animals. Yes, they, 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 they do. And it's good that they value animals and value the animal's life. Just something that I want to add along those thoughts, though. And this is to show you just how wonderfully, though, that humans are made. And to show you that what we may look at sometimes uh, in the animals, you see, and say, oh, I wish I could be like this or I wish I could be like that. What is so interesting is those same abilities are in humans and yet on a much higher level. And this is what sometimes... uh Human beings, especially when they're feeling down or depressed, uh, they forget about, you know, these things of just how magnificently they really are made. And so take, for example, uh, even in a good book, in the good book, you know, it talks about different times, the power of the animals and working hard like ants. See what? The grand creator has actually done is saying, look, <laughs> you like me, you already got these abilities. Uh, let me show you an example <laughs> if you need an example so, so you can uh, uh, learn it. I don't want you to all of a sudden turn around and, and, and walk around like an ant all day <laughs> or uh, turn around and walk around like a, a lion all day or what have you. Uh, but the point is, it's like... You might take an animal and you see just two or three characteristics that really that's all they're really known for. And yet, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, power, whether it's confidence, uh, wisdom and things of that nature through their instinctual programming, so to speak. And yet, what you have as a human is far even greater 
So instead of trying to, at times, uh, and I'm not saying everybody does this because they don't, but it does seem like some have a problem with it. Instead of at times digressing or de, or, or what is it called? It's not evolution. It's de-evolution. Going backwards or what have you. Really? No. It's just a magnificent example of something that you still have much more of that quality. Uh, an ability in you, whether it's confidence, whether it's wisdom. And the animals at times can just really just serve as a reminder, uh, even, you know, from the grand creator, because it, it talks about that, that look, everything that you're seeing around here, yeah, it, it's beautiful. It, it's certainly beautiful, and all my stuff is a masterpiece. But you are still so much more you're so much more than that and so you know, some of you may say well wait a minute now i cannot uh you know uh jump in the or water and and go around like a fish or, or or what have you or be like a fish or whatever but you know you don't have to same thing as if uh, a whale you, you see you can still, uh, basically, you never know in the future, and some people have done it, uh, uh, you know, f uh, have swam alongside the whales, rode on, uh, rode on their backs and things of that nature. So it's like it's still that d dominion that humans have. It's like, okay, we don't have to be as strong as this animal or that animal or what have you because we have still been given uh, this wonderful privilege and authority to actually exercise a, a dominion. And, and when I use that word dominion, it doesn't mean uh, a cruel dominion because, see, that's how you actually lose control of things, through cruelty, you see. Uh, anything that is ever given to us, it is with the same type of balanced judgment that we're supposed to have that... We can see in some of these other animals that were even mentioned in the good book. For example, you have, uh, you have the lion, which is justice. You have the ego, love, justice, wisdom, and power. Yeah, uh, wisdom. And then you have the bull for power. And what is so interesting of the four major attributes, uh, uh that the good book like to show us even about the grand creator, the one of love is actually still a human face. See, and so that's interesting that you have those four. And then, and then the whole point of this is what I'm getting to. In the story, in the story, and you're going to see this in the next component, the story the actions, the things that were done are true. They are factual. But you're going to see something that often even um, the other men, which, you know, were in my family, which one by one, um, uh, boy, they, they, they have gone to rest. They, um, yeah, yeah, uh, I lost my thought for a second. Uh, would do things or said things in a certain way, even when it was around animals and, and things of that nature. And it's almost like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sure that's exactly what that animal just said. <laughs> no it's and buts about it. And you're going to see uh, what I mean. And so, but I want to emphasize the section right after this next, because there's one more section of breaking down this story. Uh, the story is factual, yet it just has some lively moments uh, in it. And you will see why those lively moments were put in it. And so th th there you go. I, I appreciate you letting me use my uh, free flowing thoughts, uh, uh, so to speak, on this perceptive readers to really break down these components. Because again, I'm just doing this one right on the fly, as you probably can really uh, tell. And I had a few other thoughts just coming to my mind. But you know, this is already like 12 minutes long. So, okay, I spent enough time on this section. After a break, we will go into another section. On a farm, there are many animals, as you know, <laughs> but we're only going to talk about four groups uh, for this story. All right. Yeah, of course, I have to say right off the bat, there are some dogs. OK, and the dogs, what can't you say? Nothing but I mean, good things about them. So I won't even elaborate more. On that, because dog lovers, there's nothing I could probably say right now uh, about them that you just don't know about them and how they behave and how they respond and why they do such things. So just know there's some dogs involved. And then <laughs> you have some cats <laughs> and uh, <laughs> cat lovers. You already know what I mean from that as well. Now. What I want you to pay attention to, though, is there are some hens and there are or there is a rooster. OK, let me tell you something about the rooster. This rooster. Talk about beauty and you know uh, hens are female and roosters are male okay and even though hens do have uh different color uh feathers like uh white they can be all white or brown uh, a mixture of black and white uh several different kinds there are different uh, varieties and what i wanted to do is also um do a little bit of uh, research on what were the type of hens uh, most likely for this story. And they might have been of the Delaware uh, breed or, or what have you. But let's talk about again the rooster. This rooster it had such a beautiful coat of feathers. I mean, shimmering black and light blue and uh purple i mean how could it the, the rooster looked almost like a peacock of the most uh magnificent vibrant colors and guess what the rooster knew it the rooster knew it and see and that's one thing you got to keep in mind the rooster knew it and so um with his 
confidence uh, uh, of the way that he looked? And what is uh, one type of trait that a rooster has every morning at daybreak? How many of you could tell me that right off the uh, bat, uh, what that trait is? Did you guess that they like to cock or crow early in the morning to let you know it's time to get up because I'm beautiful and I want people to know. <laughs> but oh, let me stop. I'm getting all into it already. No, but, but here's the point. Roosters like cats, believe it or not, not as much of like cats. Oh, they have their personalities as well. And as you heard me mention in the other section about, is this instinctual or not? Or, or what have you, okay? And so, the reason why I asked if you knew what roosters do first thing in the morning is because this rooster in all his glory and all his beauty, if he was upset with you, he wasn't going to wake you up it, because, it, I mean, you really got the impression. It was like, <laughs> you know what? You don't deserve to see me this morning. You just stay in there. So, <laughs> so if he was upset with you, he, he, he wouldn't, um, uh, crow in the morning. That, that just goes to show. And I don't know if other farmers have ever experienced this, but most likely it was somebody that, somewhere experienced this maybe not because maybe you never had a rooster this beautiful this confident and the confidence went into everything about this uh rooster make no mistake about it um you could have practically like snakes because you know what a rooster does a rooster does more than just fertilize the eggs you have a rooster for the hen coop or what have to actually protect them. Roosters would fight literally almost anything if you're threatening their territory. It's instinctual. <laughs> it's inbred in them or what have you. And really, if you want to talk about the best uh, practice, yes, admittedly so, because everything has become so... Um, you know, let, let's cram this in. Let's cram that in or, or what have you. Sometimes, sometimes you, you find farms that might have two or three roosters or, um, or really none at all, depending on what they're trying to do. But see, this farm that I'm talking about is more of like a family farm, uh, um, you see, set up uh, on nature. So even the, the hens practically, you know, could have a very, 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 long life of just you know providing eggs every morning and then you know the farmer selling the eggs and things of that nature was uh, you know that, that's the way it was so the rooster was there and put by himself he wouldn't would never have another rooster with this one rooster because he just wouldn't tolerate it uh a, a snake could come up in there and it doesn't matter what type of snake it was, venomous or what have you, that snake didn't have a chance. Because see, this rooster also has spurs. For some of you who may have never seen a rooster, on their feet, they have these long like spurs. Think of them as if you rode a horse before. You see, you know, you have the spurs that kind of 
you know, guide the horse to go where they need to go, what have you. I know some persons don't use spurs, but I'm talking about the old cowboy days anyway. So uh, they did. But roosters do have spurs very sharp and they know how to use them too and they can uh, take a snake out you know uh they can they can take about you know uh any animal out uh practically if you give them a chance and it depends on once again how um threatened they feel how much experience that they have had too in protecting the coop okay so the thing that i want to emphasize though is that this rooster was handsome it was beautiful it most be beautiful thing you ever seen and it knew it it had and, and did i say it had confidence yes i want to really emphasize it had confidence to accomplish whatever it wanted to and it took uh its role very serious all right and then you had the hens that i mentioned already sweet Sweet creatures, just just wonderful creatures, uh, beautiful creatures. That they're also uh, a part of this. See, these are the components, or these are the characters, so to speak. But I want to emphasize, really focus on the human. Let me say that again. Focus on the humor, not the humor, but I'm saying humor. <laughs> Focus on the human, what the human does in this account. Why did the human do or carry out things the way that he did? What was the effect do you think it was wise? Would you ever do something like that yourself? So anyway, there are the components of the story and uh, the animals, uh, the guest stars, uh, uh, so to speak, of the story. But focus on the human. After this break, we will begin. This is a Park Books update moment. We have come to the number four of the series called Beauty. Yes, Beautiful Sound of Healing. And this is part four. This is placed with the perceptive readers as well uh, for this season four uh, conclusion. This doesn't mean that you won't hear from the perceptive readers. I just want you to know that uh, even though I'm taking a break from um, these longer ones that you've enjoyed today, be assured that I'm still going to do the Pock Books update moments. And I will elaborate more on them and what they will entail in the future. Uh, not on this podcast, but you will see. So anyway... Let us go into the beautiful sound of healing part four. <clears throat> you know, there was a very wise farmer. <clears throat> and when I say wise, 
I mean, about everything, y'all, uh, family, the environment, life, experience, just sage-like wisdom um, period that uh, most humans really appreciate. And then he had the temperament to go along with it. Yet, just think about this. This man with all this wisdom and ability often was still a man of very few words unless something really had to be said or stated, you see. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he was a strong, strong proponent of fairness and justice uh, in ways that has a very long-reaching effect around the people who are around him and even beyond, all right? Uh, justice, mercy, he had power, wisdom, boy, just all the qualities that persons strive from a young age all the way up until they're over a hundred to have and to keep in balance. Boy, farm life will practically help you, really help you to, uh, be in balance, to keep in balance. And one of the things that this uh, farmer often recommended that every person, especially when they come up in the teenage years, if they could just experience farm life for a little bit, for a summer or something of that nature, even every summer, it's uh, no one is forcing one to do anything. But his recommendation was if you just experience a summer here or there um, with me. I think you will gain so much more of an understanding of life and how to actually, you see, uh, do the best you can when it comes in dealing with others as well, you see. So anyway, this farmer had a farm, all right? And on this farm, there were uh, plenty of animals, not a, not a whole lot, but take for example, the hen coop had about four or five uh, troughs in there where all the feed would be uh, placed in. And then the hens, which were uh, more than a hundred, it's like they could easily just separate to 25 to a trough, you see, uh, when he went in to feed them in the morning and, um, and each trough. And then the hens would just, you see, uh, separate and be organized as they're eating and on each side of the trough. And so there was plenty of food to go around um, for them. Uh, in this farm or at this farm, the trough, uh, there was also up top, uh, let me see, about yeah, five or six feet uh, in the air, uh, these beams or roosts or something that uh, when the chickens weren't walking around on the ground, um, scratching up straw or, or hoping a worm would come in there or somehow, what have you, they would just be up top, able to look through the screen areas and look outside and just enjoy each other's company, sitting side by side with one another. Now, 
there was a rooster in there too. And for this uh, account, I'll just uh, uh, give them some initials, uh, call them B, just call them B, just one initial. So uh, B made sure every time when the farmer came in, in the morning or whether it was the evening time because sometimes during certain seasons depending on how light or dark things got he would sometimes feed uh, the hens in the morning time or in the evening now he really did try to keep to a cycle see mainly in the evening times but you know sometimes there's just uh, special reasons why it just had to be uh, switched up in another way uh, for the function that way but anyway when he would go in there uh, the bee you see the rooster always had to first come and um, uh, meet him at the door and uh, give him the permission that yeah you can come in and, and feed us now alright and one thing about B that he would do from time to time that when the hens had a little, little different argument or this between uh, on one another he would just sometimes just jump down right away and just walk around walk in between them and stuff and next thing you know then the hens they just uh, walk off and what do you mean by you may be wondering what type of disagreement or little spat that hens would actually have on the farm well remember when i talked about the worm okay i'll talk about some type of insects because insects <laughs> you don't see them in the chicken coop they won't last a second they are so fast with eating any type of insect like even mosquitoes know not to go into a hen coop you see but what happens sometimes especially when you have one color of uh feathers uh you know you can have uh white feathers and i told you they can come in black or, or brown or what have you well it was this one hen in the farm that had a beetle or something that actually fell on one of its wings you see and right away this bird this hen that was beside him pecked at it grabbed that beetle so quick but guess what else it grabbed the beetle well uh, with the beetle can you guess he grabbed or she another hen grabbed some feathers with it yeah see that's how hard that uh um hens or chickens or but we, we're gonna just call them hens will peck it is like no mercy no <laughs> you know no thought about it i see food and i want it now you see and that's something as the farmer would express knowing how animals are and sometimes he would word these things have them come out his mouth actually say oh I see food. I want that now. And so anyway, this one bird, uh, this one hen, had the beetle fall on its wing. Some type of insect that was falling. And you just saw this, this quick, whoa. And so when the other hen had eaten the beetle and also took some feathers with it, it was something that ended up happening over the next couple of days 
that was pretty it was pretty sad and by time the second or third day it was actually getting quite gruesome what was that well when it came towards feeding time in uh, that evening the farmer noticed that the hen that had the feathers a couple of feathers uh, plucked out it looked like maybe a few more were actually pulled out of that hen now think about this it was plenty of food in the troughs okay when he started pouring them through and what that hen who started having more of his feathers being poured out of its uh uh, um, wing started not going anywhere near the middle of the trough but then started going towards the end or the corner of the trough why did that hen do that well it was because when the hen tried to move around you know around the other hens all of a sudden another hen would pluck and take that feather out then take another feather and would just keep hitting in that same spot where it was actually starting to bleed. It could never heal. And so the farmer noticed that and he had a, a little helper with him. And when this was happening at times, the farmer ended up uh, saying things like, Oh, why you want to pick on her? Leave her alone. And this is the way he was talking to the hens. And sometimes they would do it right in front of him. And so what he tried to do to help the situation is he made sure when he came in, he stayed near the corner. And by this time, the hen was actually just scared to be around other hens. But when he came in, that hen that was having all his feathers plucked out would run up to his ankles right quick. And he'll pull in the trough and just let the hen eat while the other ones was all spread out. And they wouldn't mess with, you see, uh, her while she was sitting or eating on his ankle into the trough. You can imagine that a busy farmer uh, would be like, hmm, boy, I got to stay here for about 15 minutes. Now, this farmer didn't mind, but he had other animals to feed every day you see but this is what he did at least uh, for the first couple of days the farmer turned to B remember the rooster one time and he said why aren't you protecting her over here and B looked at him as if to say you see what they did to her I'm too beautiful to get involved with that you see that's the way the farmer actually saw things and he would say these things out his mouth about, about B. And when you looked at the rooster, you practically, it looked like that's what he was saying. <laughs> yeah, remember, he was just too for an uh, animal to be that confident. But, but that's what he said, at least to the farmer, that he was just too beautiful to get involved with all of that, you see. So, anyway, the farmer wanted to help this hen that much more. Because over the course of the next three to five days, he was noticing 
that then the hen was actually getting too weak to even run up to the trough by his ankle. Why? Because all that energy that it took to still maneuver around all those other hens that just started making this hen like a pecking order, you know, take a feather here, peck there. It kept that hen wing in a uh, starting a, a scabbed up scarred state. Then it started moving. They started moving from the wing. They started moving to the um, shoulder area and then even the neck area. This beautiful hen was no longer looking beautiful like it was just even a week before. It was becoming gruesome. And when the farmer saw that now, even when it was feeding time, the hen was too afraid to even come and get by his ankle and eat from that trough. He did something. This is what he did. Now, remember, this hen is in, you know, pain, hurting. What ended up happening is he picked up that hen. He took the hen out of that coop. And he took the hen over by this big tree. And he poured a lot of food right there on that tree. I mean, that, that, that hen was able to eat, feel good, and, and sit down. But he noticed still, uh, uh, that night, uh, you know, when it's, the sun started going down and everything, the hen was by itself. And it was, uh, you know, that first night, it just stuck by that tree, it didn't move. And he said, the next day, he wanted the hen to uh, uh, have a little bit of company, okay? He ended up opening up the coop, and he let about three or four hens out. And the reason why I ended up going back to three in this case was because, shame to say, one hen still wanted to continue. They had all this free room outside the coop because not only was there food around that tree, but then they could walk around and find worms, find beetles if they wanted to all over the whole farm. And one hen couldn't immediately... I mean, immediately, we the run over to the tree and actually start pecking on that hen. And the hen actually started crying. Have you ever heard a chicken cry? And, and, and some of you might have heard, uh, uh. no, this was crying because this was the first break of about 24 hours that that hen had to heal. And so, you know, the body was starting to function back right and then to have this come back immediately and so what the farmer did was took the hen the one that ran out because he was letting three others out well with it took the hen out and uh and threw that one right back in the um uh, 
in the trough or not in the trough, the hen coop. While the other hens, you see, they just went to the tree and they just started eating, you know, didn't molest the, the other hen that was hurting. And what the farmer did then was picked up the hen that was uh, that was crying until it took that other hen off it. And he started rubbing the hen. He sat down with the hen by the tree and he put the, um, some grain you know, see, in his hands. And the hen started cooing almost like a a cat. It was a different type of sound. You know, you think about the beautiful sounds that birds make like canaries and, and parrots when they want to, you know, when they want to sing. And robins and all sorts of birds that you think about that can make a beautiful sound. You don't think that much about the sound when it comes to, let's face it, chickens or hens. But make no mistake about it, as he rubbed this hen very lightly and was sitting down and just letting it eat the food or the grain out of his hand. And the hen chicken wasn't even rushing. Because remember I told you how a chicken would, uh, the way that they eat, they, they almost eat like they're starving all the time. Peck, 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 peck. This chicken would just softly grab a couple of spots and then some farmer was rubbing it would be like her her and, and then would turn his head up towards the farmer and the farmer would just said I know I know and the chicken was talking to the farmer then the chicken would grab a couple of more spots or grain and turn back and that sound as his young helper looked at it was the most beautiful thing he never heard a hen make a sound like that in his life and haven't heard heard one since make a sound like that but that's not all that the farmer did then what he did was when it was becoming dust and and what he wanted to do was actually not have the chickens so out there with the free reign of the farm he wanted to at least bring them inside the yard. See, sometimes farms are separated, of course, where you got the the grain, the agriculture, you got other animals and things of that nature. But th this one, even the house had a gate around it, but it was plenty of room, still plenty of grass and stuff. Well, the farmer first went over to the dogs, okay? And yes, and, and you know they just happy to, to see they just happy to see him. And so what ended up happening is, okay, yeah. So what ended up happening is he put the chicken up to the dog's faces, you know, to let him sniff it. And the and, and the chicken at first was looking at the farmer like, what are you, what are you doing, <laughs> you know? But he told the dogs protect protect her be good she good she good and then you know the dog sniffed and sniffed and then uh, sniffed all around and then just licked the hen once 
And so he was saying, yeah, see, he, he, he agrees. He, he's going to take care of you. And then the chicken was talking, and then, you know, was uh, talking about. It. So he told that to the dogs. Then as he was bringing the hens into the yard for the night, the cat, <laughs> you know, the cats was looking like, what you doing bringing that into my domain? And he said, look, you're going to have company for the rest of the night. So I'm not giving you the whole conversation that they had. But at first, put it this way, the cat allowed it. But the cat said, I'm not too happy about this, but I'm going to show you how magnanimous I am. I'm going to allow that hen in, in the farm, you see. So anyway, uh, that night, and it wasn't only that night, but this went on over the course of a, a week or two. He let the chickens roam around in the day. The three that would get along with them, you see. And at night, they would be in the yard. Uh, the dogs knew to protect them. And see, and these dogs were good uh, protectors too, you see. Because uh, you do have other predatory, even type birds, you see, that that would actually come down like a hawk or whatever they'll come down and you know turn a hand up you see but the whole point is he did that and over the course of several weeks you saw those feathers come back even more beautiful than before yet there was a light spot that that hen always had um, from that experience it was like the feathers just never fully grew back in that wing but you still couldn't tell that really there was an underlying scar that had caused that dent that real light spot where it just couldn't be filled in but around the chest and the neck area and things of that nature the the hen had healed and so after that went on for a while, and I told you this took some weeks, the hen, which again by this time had a name given by the farmer, which I won't say what it is, but he reintroduced him, the hen, and the three others uh, right back into the, uh, you know, the chicken coop. From what I understand, that hen was able to live a long life. It was never so. It's almost like it does. It makes me think about Charlotte's Web a little bit. But that farmer had made up its mind that that hen and those other three were not going to be sold to no other farmer because he would sell you know these hens he had plenty of them told you and sometimes when no eggs was hatching and stuff like that you don't need all those hens or chickens and stuff but those three or really four in all he kept they were able to become also you know breeders and and, and things of that nature uh, uh by Mr. B don't really know whether Mr. B totally deserved them or not, but but the whole point is uh, he certainly took credit for everything after that, you see. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I just wanted to share that story and go right back to the point of...
beautiful sound. That beautiful sound of healing. That animal experienced something on a level where even that farmer had never heard that type of sound come out of an animal with those types of vocal cords, you see, if we can use uh, uh, that expression to describe them, their voice box or what have you, because all you mostly hear is the hens cackle or what have you, or sometimes when they just sit and let me me stop, let me stop. But the whole point is, this was a different sound, and the sound only came about, you see, when that farmer was rubbing, comforting, stroking, just in the right way, in the necessary way that that hen needed it. Now you can look over all the things that he had to do to get to that point, you see. He did things in a way that even people have at least known that, you know, even shepherds do and people in positions of trust at times do, you see. And I just want to share that much more with you as far as what human beings are capable of doing. See, in this day and age, often people are so much into so uh, often because he did the best he can in in a survival of fittest mode so to speak that other individuals at times are looked down upon as if there was some great weakness or deficiency with them when they really don't know how it got how they got in that um situation in the first place And everything isn't, and I stand before you today, everything isn't always our fault. It really isn't. There are unforeseen occurrences that happens at times. And see, and when there are unforeseen occurrences that happen, and then even mistakes happen, so things things of that nature, These are the situations that create mitigating circumstances. There's a difference between calculated things and a difference between just unforeseen occurrences and mistakes and things of that nature. So either way, this story is to show you that no matter what you have experienced or endured in life, there are situations, and I always encourage persons, you know, talk to the grand creator about it, you see, what will help you or what have you. And work towards it doing the best you can, even if it's just baby steps. You know whether you can do something or not at times. Other persons can't tell you that. 
You know what the pain is that you're experiencing at times. And see, in my experience, it is the wise. It is the experience. And the most important at all, it is the empathetic person that knows this. And so they do the best that they can realizing never to cross a situation in such a way where they're still leaving it out of the grand creator's hands. As you already heard me say, we are given dominion. Human beings, wonderful. And and when I said dominion, I mean wonderful, upright things. As human, as the human family, over the whole earth and we're given it because we know that in imitation of the grand creator he didn't give it to us because of cruelty or that we would exercise it in cruelty but actually that we would always exercise it in love so Beautiful sound of healing. Have you sung it for yourself? Have you made that sound for others? Thank you for being here and have a wonderful day. You have just listened to the Perceptive Readers Podcast. Remember, until next time, if you read something that encourages you to improve or enhance your life for the better, it becomes your reality.